Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Responsible Entrepreneur Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurs who are changing industries, various social systems, cultural paradigms, and how we govern ourselves. So they cover a broad range of ideas. And if you want to know more about that, you can check the Responsible Entrepreneur book, which talks about how I see people doing that from 15 entrepreneurs I have uh, worked with closely. Hi, Frederick. So glad to have you with us today. Would you introduce yourself to everyone and particularly introduce uh, in kind of a brief overview way what your company is, and then we'll proceed from there. Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Carol. My name is uh, Frederick Rasbeck. I'm a 30-year-old Dane, and I'm studying at an alternative leadership school called Chaos Pilots. And uh, on the side uh, for my studies, I have a company called 12 Pieces, which is a clothing brand with my partner, Amir Hassan. And um, our business is uh, mainly focused uh, around uh, spreading some uh, very, uh, what do you call it, um, valuable messages, at least to us. Uh, and we are trying to do that through the storytelling of our clothes and our campaign material um, that we present uh, when we are having new collections. So uh, 12 Pieces is uh, inspired basically by uh, Amir's cultural heritage. He's, um, his parents are from Egypt. He's born and raised in Denmark. But surely that uh, makes him a person of uh, multiple colors and multiple cultures as well. So growing up in Denmark and at the same time having his roots uh, back in North Africa, it, uh, it certainly makes uh, him and us able to um, have focus on a lot of the cultural clashes that is between especially European and African culture. And we think that is a very important subject to talk about and to kind of try to uh, work on. So uh, we created a, a fashion company where we use, uh, for example, a rapid calligraphy um, with uh, strong words such as equality, power, uh, brotherhood, freedom. Um, and hopefully we can inspire people to take a stand on some political uh, situations. I wouldn't call it issues because I would like to have people defining their own issues, but some political situations. And uh, yeah, maybe we can highlight some of those areas through our work with uh, 12 Pieces. Oh, that's, that's really an inspiring idea, uh, which is why I wanted to talk to you. Could we go back in time just a little bit on the company and talk about what it took to do the founding of this, to bring it into existence, what you've described is a pretty big idea. How did you meet one another and found this company? Yeah, well, uh, Amir and I have uh, not known each other for a long time, but we have had common friends for a very long time. And uh, three years ago, two years ago, I was uh, part of a creative society in uh, the city of Aarhus in Denmark called uh, Grisk. Um, and uh, I had an office from where I did uh, a lot of events back then. I uh, was a gallerist at, at one point uh, in Grisk. And uh, all of a sudden, this new, uh, newly educated designer came in, and he was looking for a spot. And so we, he got an office uh, quite close to me, and we uh, started talking. And uh, he was at a point in his life where he had just finished uh, the school or his education as a designer. And I was at a point in my life where I was... Uh, basically looking for uh, investments, um, not only in regards of like uh, investments that could bring me money, but also something that I would like to invest my time in and that I could see had a bigger purpose than just uh, running a, a business, not to neglect running a business. That's, uh, I think everybody has 
a way of seeing their business as their own baby. And so it becomes the most important thing in life. But for me, I felt like I'd just been doing so much work where the outcome would basically just be money. And I felt like I needed something more. So I saw like a, a, a coherent need in, this, in, the, in our current situations. And so uh, Amir, he told me about this concept, 12 pieces, um, that was very inspired by Arabic clothing. And um, very much the inspiration was drawn from visualizing a, a stroll through the Medina of Cairo, the old, in old Cairo. Um, so I was like, well, can we somehow create a storytelling? Can we somehow create a brand that serves a bigger purpose than just selling clothes if we try to do this together? Okay, so go more, tell more of that story, because 12 Pieces is such an interesting name. So now we kind of know where it came from, but what's the story that you're trying to convey when you use that name? Well, um, it's a story that has kind of changed and evolved over time, Carol, I have to say. And to, to, from the very beginning, the inspiration to the name 12 Pieces came from the fact that Amir, when he was 12 years old, uh, had made a drawing uh, that had 12 pieces of clothes on it. Amir, he really fell in love with this drawing, and it sparked the, what would later be the designer in him. But growing up in uh, the, the tougher neighborhoods, uh, the ghetto of Aarhus, uh, where the majority um, came from a place culturally that uh, saw uh, the, the art of designing as something that maybe wasn't too manly. Um, he, kind of, he kind of like kept it to himself. And uh, due to the fact that this uh, drawing have some, was something that I've been with him for so many years, I think it somehow created a huge impact and a huge will for him to try to kind of uh, create some understanding between uh, the, the, the culture where he came from and the culture in the country that he grew up in. So that's where it all started. Uh, and so in the beginning, we had this concept that we would only make 12 pieces, uh, 12 uh, samples of each style we had in our collection. So for example, if we did uh, a shirt, we would only make 12 of that shirt and then we would number them from one to 12 up until 12 of 12, like you do with a lithography in art, for example. Um, and that was kind of like the base of the company was that we were doing very limited collections, making unique clothes for unique people, as we called it back then. Um, what was the word you said? Making what clothes? I missed the word. <clears throat> we made, uh, back then, we had this, this uh, kicker, this line. We said that we were making unique clothes for unique people. Oh, okay. Um, U- unique clothes for unique people. Okay, great. Yes, exactly. And by unique, it was so, it, it could basically at that time be translated into aware in our sense, like people who put in more notion than just wearing something warm or something to keep you warm when they pick the clothes that they wanted to wear. Well, they are also beautiful. I mean, let's at least for the first time tell people how they can go see them, where they can see them online. Because the first time I looked, I thought, my gosh, these are breathtaking photographs. And they beautifully illustrate clothes that have lines that are like you see in top fashion magazines. So tell people mm-hmm. how they can go look. Yeah, well, you can go to our website, uh, which is uh, pieces, and it's all in written letters and in one long sentence, uh, .dk. Uh, and there you can find our web shop. And we also have uh, yeah, various... Um, different sites with all our former press releases and material and our campaign material for upcoming and former collections. 
So definitely just go to our website, www.12pieces.dk and uh, yeah, check it out. Great. Well, and people can do that as they continue to listen to us here because there's a lot more of this story. Uh, mm. Like we don't have you in this story yet. So why in the world is this? You'll give us a little bit of your background that would help us understand why this is who you wanted to partner with and why this is the message you wanted to bring into the world. It's just hard for most of us to see how you got here. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know my own story. Like uh, when I was a, a teenager, I guess I was what somebody would categorize as a trouble kid. And uh, here in Denmark, you go through primary school, then you have a thing called gymnasium, equivalent to college, I suppose. And then you go on to the university. And after primary school, I kind of got stuck in the gymnasium uh, part. So after completing that uh, in a third try with a very low score that I could basically use for nothing, and I had to this day no idea what I'm going to use it for, I decided to, um, I joined the, the education for being a primary school teacher. But after half a year, I realized that my motivation for joining that school or that education was basically because I had this a vibe from back home. I had this pressure from back home that, Frederick, you need to have some kind of education. But it wasn't really what I wanted deep down in my heart. So one day on first semester, I dropped out on a Thursday. And the day after, I bought a one-way ticket to Bangkok. And then I basically went to Asia and stayed there for four and a half months, where I spent the majority of my time working in different orphanages as a volunteer. And I went to live with some monks in a monastery up north, and uh, it sounds like a very uh, white guy goes to Asia to find himself kind of story. But to me, it made a huge difference because before I went there, I really didn't trust myself that much. But going there for four and a half months and just taking one day uh, at a time and not knowing where to go or what to do, it just gave me a huge kind of belief in myself. So when I came home, uh, yeah, uh, a few months later, I basically immediately started my own company. And I partnered up with one of my very good friends who was very active in the nightlife of Aarhus. And we started to do uh, parties together. And that's like where I get my economic sense from. So I'm very like self-taught in that since math was never my strong side in school <laughs> at least. So um, after doing parties for a few years, I realized that it would be nice if uh, what I could give people would be something else and just hangovers. And so it turned into uh, be hosting like cultural events, music events instead of uh, parties at night. And uh, that manifested in some different, uh, very cool projects, actually. We did a thing called Aarhus Art Convention, where we hosted uh, artists from all over the world within contemporary art. Our focus was mainly uh, tattoo art and graffiti, street art. Um, and it was uh, over the course of four years. And by the end, we had such a wide perspective on art that we actually came to a point where we'd for, we would, for example, invite uh, chefs of the greater restaurants in Denmark and have them doing lectures on how to uh, arrange the food on a plate and how that can be seen as an art form as well. So somehow it was um, it evolved into something where I where I had focus on seeing potential in different industries and areas, and then somehow putting those people or industries together and have them coming up with a greater result than they could do on their own. And that is basically the mentality I brought in when I came to the point of uh, of doing. Um, uh, a company with Amir. It was really that I saw myself coming from a place where I had a lot of uh, skills and knowledge in regards of branding and uh, writing material that would um, 
law and audience, if you could say it like that, I will translate that into storytelling today, if I have to give it one word. And at the same time, I saw Amir's amazingly pure intention behind his clothing brand. I saw this very strong personality that was um, not willing to compromise on what the market wants, but he, as an artist, he just let his drawings come out of him. He just let his inspiration flow somehow that I found very inspiring and interesting. And so I was like, well, if I can tame, not tame, but if I can facilitate this young man and his uh, amazing gift for creating beautiful clothes, I think that there would be uh, a very strong team in, in me communicating um, his freedom. So if I give him complete freedom to do whatever he wants, and I thereafter take it and communicate it, it's still like I leave a complete open space for him to evolve and to test and to play with him. And then I can take it afterwards and somehow bring it into something concise and concrete uh, in regards of campaign material, a storytelling uh, to go along the uh, collection or like, you know, a coherent story about the inspirations behind uh, our company. So I'm thinking at some point I want to talk to Amir, but could you for a moment give us a an image of how the two of you work together? You were starting to do that, but in a little more concrete terms. Mm-hmm. And whatever you can about Amir's design process so we can actually see how this, what I would call a stubborn ethic to be in integrity with what you're seeing and bring that out. And you over here working on the storytelling and the guiding and supporting, help us understand how the two of you work together and what we can about your process of how you do that together. Yeah. So, well, in the beginning, it was actually a very much like, uh, let's, let's, let's try this and see what happens kind of vibe we had. Um, so in the beginning, it was very organic. You can say the way we developed our relationship it was never like we sat down and made a contract with each other saying Amir is going to be at the office from eight to four and he has these areas of responsibility and I have these areas of responsibility we did it because we kind of just have had a very nice flow together and how it like shows in real time well it's actually a funny question because I never really think about this but I guess that um, it was very important for me from the very beginning to give Amir complete freedom to do whatever he needed in order to create, um, what do you say, original and, and, and true uh, designs from his own heart. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to facilitate a space where he wasn't compromised by, by any other's opinions. Those opinions in fashion being the buyer's opinions, of course, or the end customer's opinions. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the, the, the way we do it, well, I don't know. We have, we have an office. We have, we have an office. I let him do his thing whenever he has something he wants me to help him with. I try to do that. And then I try to take care of all the, what do you say, the bureaucratic boring things so he can have his freedom to, to do the designing. So paying, taking care the, of all the bills, taking care of, yeah, sorry. What's the joy in it for you? Because you're making it sound like you're supporting him, the creative one. And you do the boring stuff. I know you enough that I know you do not stick very long with boring things. So there's a joy oh. in it for you. Where's the joy? Yes, yes. like uh, written uh, communication and always has have always been a passion of mine. I remember when I was a kid and everybody wanted to be an astronaut or whatever. I wanted to be a writer. Uh, so so somehow that always just stuck to me. I really like 
taking a conversation and condense it into something very short and precise to be communicated. I like to look for the deeper meaning in stuff. I like to work with uh, strategies. Uh, uh, if, if you have to talk about something else, one of my, the other things I do in the company, like just trying to figure out, okay, so how can we do exactly what we want and not care about what the market wants and still survive as a business? Um, so and that's actually... Yeah. yeah, let's let's go a little bit into placing the nature of twelve pieces in an industry, which is pretty much the opposite of everything you've just described. You are. Can yes. you do a little description of how it is you manage to stay afloat or manage to keep mm. putting things out in the world in an industry that does not value the things you've been describing? Yes, I can. Well. First of all, uh, your lectures have been a huge asset to us in order to kind of find our way in this market and do it, do it, doing it in a way that we feel we can also do it with integrity. Because after one year and after our second collection, we started off by releasing our first collection two years ago called The Spring. It was inspired by the Arabic Spring in 2012 and the whole movement within the Middle Eastern countries back then that tried to kind of oppose the very... Uh, like old-fashioned uh, ways their countries were being um, ruled by uh, by people who they had no chance of actually communicating with. But anyway, uh, we we did that uh, collection and we had it uh, 12 styles, 12 of each. It was a very small production. Even though we sold out fairly fast, we realized that, well, we earned some money, but not enough money to actually make a difference. So with our second collection, which was called The Roots, and it was a story about Amir's cultural heritage in Egypt, we uh, tried to make 36 styles and then 12 of each style uh, just to get some volume in the collection. What, what, what we realized is that seen from a production-wise perspective, this is not a sustainable business plan because um, doing different styles is what's expensive when you're doing the production. It's, it's not mm -hmm. doing a lot of the same style. So we were standing uh, last year at some point and we were like, okay, we have a huge problem because I'm sitting here on one hand as the investor and I'm like starting to get worried. Is this business going to survive if we don't somehow try to um, approach the market in a sustainable way? Um, and Amir, on the other hand, was sitting like, well, we can always just do a mass production, but I mean, I'm just not going to do that because that's not why I'm a designer and I, I know it's going to be shit work if I do it like that. Pardon my language. Um, so, so, we were, so we were in a huge dilemma where we kind of didn't know what to do because on one hand, we wanted our company to survive. On another hand, we also wanted to do things uh, the way we like to do it. or We weren't very willing to compromise, if you could say it like that. And then you taught me about a thing called essence. And uh, then I started to figure out, hmm, what is a mere essence and how can I somehow make that uh, inside of essence uh, useful in my company? And what I realized is that Amir is, uh, I knew that from the beginning, but what really manifested in me and what I accepted after looking, really looking at him, was that Amir is not interested in earning money. He's not interested in, even though people say your designs have potential to be a, to be a, a, a very big company within very short time, if you just let me do this and this, and if you just do this production, it, it, he wasn't interested. For him, it was the design process and it was a, storytelling and giving a little something of himself in the in the in the very limited collections that that's what turns him what what makes him get out of the bed in the morning so i said to him instead of framing it 
instead of saying to him, Amir, we need to have bigger collections in order to make a bigger revenue, I framed it in a way that would be, Amir, if you want to keep making these exclusive limited collections, we need to create a system around our company that can somehow um, finance uh, those limited collections. And by somehow making the limited collection his Northern Star, by somehow framing it in a way that would make him understand that the utmost important thing of our company is to make the limited 12 out of 12 collections. By acknowledging that in him as well, instead of just saying, well, that's not a good business that you have right there. By acknowledging it and somehow create a system around it and say, well, can we then maybe also add another line to our company that would be called a main line where we do have a, a, a bigger, where we do have a bigger quantity of pieces in, uh, in each style? Will that then maybe make it uh, inspiring and sufficient, uh, not sufficient, will, that, will it then make it inspiring for you to keep working in this company? And will it then keep on, will, will that like be the catalyst for the creativity to keep flowing out of you, if you can call it that? And he was, uh, he was uh, very open to that in a sense. So I guess, yeah, somehow just seeing and acknowledging that what really turns us on in our company is creating the unique clothes with the strong storytelling, with the, by spending too, too much money on campaign materials compared to how much revenue such a little collection can actually turn over, by somehow just acknowledging that that is what we're going to work towards being able to do in the future. We found a way that that made it doable for both of us to have a main line and uh, have a slightly bigger uh, um, production in uh, in our new collection, for example, called Fatimogana. Well, tell tell us a little bit about that because you were you are a business person, and you were right for Amir to keep doing what he's got to do. He's got to get a return, and I, yes. I suspect over time you can get pretty good margins for this really unique collection because it's such a limited style. But again, mm. you have to have better cash flow. So tell us about yes. uh, it's Fatimogana. Is that how you say it? Yeah, it is. It is. And tell and, us about uh, that line and what you're doing with it. Yeah, Fatsamogana, first of all, is, uh, I don't know if you know the expression already, but let me just uh, tell the listeners about it. It's, uh, I think, uh, an expression that is uh, very known uh, from the people of North Africa. And it's, uh, it's a thing, uh, an optical illusion. When you walk in the desert and you're being basically totally dehydrated and you're running on your last powers, uh, the brain have a tendency of creating an optical illusion uh, in front of you. And those optical illusions have been named Fatsamoganas. So, for example, if uh, you and I, Carol, we walked in the desert and we haven't had something to drink for three days, just before we faint and we fall uh, on our knees, there would be a slight possibility that we would see like a very nice little oasis with cold water and uh, cool drinks and a, and a little palm tree. And, um, yeah, that's the name of uh, the collection. And uh, the reason why we chose that name is because our new collection was to be the picture of what would the ideal world, I mean, if we, were, if we would imagine that we were uh, using our last powers and we are basically going on our knees, what would be the ideal that we would see in front of us? And so we made the designs uh, uh, believing that, um, yeah, that, that they would represent these ideals. And so we have a, stor a storytelling uh, of um, being a pilgrimage of... Uh, discovering the unknown of uh, taking chances and walking in, 
down dangerous paths, even though it uh, might be dangerous, it might serve a higher purpose if you actually manage to pull through. And uh, it, um, it manifests in, in uh, Arabic calligraphy. This might be a point to introduce that you had a fairly famous photographer and um, fashion model who found your work. I would love to know about that. Tell us about her and what impact do you think that might have? Uh, yeah, well, uh, whenever we do a new presentation, we go to different fashion forums to present it, obviously, to bias and to get a hype uh, in, in, uh, in between the journalists uh, that are at these places. So uh, we went to Copenhagen Fashion Week uh, in August. And uh, as part of uh, Copenhagen Fashion Week, they hire in uh, different personalities from the industry to do some art installations every year. Last year, it was uh, Virgil Abloh from Off-White, and this year, it was uh, Naomi Campbell, the former supermodel. Um, and uh, she, she, very lucky for us, she uh, had a walk through the whole uh, place, which is very big, and she decided to stop. Uh, she decided to stop at our little booth, Amir and I, and she basically just went through the whole collection, and she was uh, very impressed with it. And uh, we also had a chance to like exchange uh, business cards. Um, so yeah, that was that was an that was an amazing experience, and I could say. Uh, how much can we build from that? Well, it's not like we are on a, on a daily basis talk with Naomi now at all. I'm actually not even sure if she's uh, answered the mail we sent to her after SIF. But the important thing is that we had a, a chance to uh, document it and we could use it as part of our storytelling in regards of uh, bringing the company forward from here. And I think there's a lot of like the values that we, that we represent, like the raw Africa, the I'm not ashamed of uh, uh, Africa, and I'm not ashamed of talking about the problems that uh, is uh, very present in the third world and uh, in Middle Eastern countries. I think that she could resonate with that somehow, also being her own person throughout her whole career and never really minding whether a camera is filming her or not. She always stuck very much to herself, and I think she could feel that in our clothes as well. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully uh, there's uh, there's a future potential in in actually doing something with Naomi, but. Um, but the, but the bare honesty is that we still haven't heard from her. But we are faithful. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, it must be very inspiring to you, though, to have someone who has been in the world of fashion her entire life. And even though your clothing is, is for men only, right? Uh, our is clothes it? is not. No, our clothes is all unisex. Unisex. Okay. So she could, she could relate to this from the fashion world and she acknowledged and in some ways venerated, uh, you know, what it was that you were doing and what you believed in. Mm. And being able to tell that story is amazing. Most designers, small fashion companies would never get that kind of exposure to a person like that. So you're clearly no. doing something right. Let's yeah. just one next to last question. Um, mm. When I think about how, what your image of is, how you run a business. I mean, you're mm. clearly the business side of this. Amir is the, mm. uh, the artistic side, although your writing obviously is still an artistic process. Mm. How do, how do you conceive of, what you think the role of business is and how you have to run a business in order to live out the business's role in the world? Oh, uh, let me see if I understand the, the question correctly. So you, you mean what, what I find as the inspiration or what I find as a need to run a business 
uh, yeah. that you're not where you can both keep your integrity and at the same time doing a positive difference for the future of the world. Generally. I like that. I like the way you frame that. Answer that. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, it's it's a twofolded thing. I mean, first of all, I think that integrity is a very important part of being able to communicate in an honest and meaningful way. So you can't really compromise on that, at least not in my world. So I'm like. Uh, yeah, I think uh, first of all, just like stick to what stick to your beliefs, but also like be instead of like seeing uh, change as some as, as compromising, then see it as evolving instead. That's at least what we try to do, and that's the way we could come up with a main line and still keep our integrity, even though it was basically what we agreed in the beginning we wouldn't do. But we gave it a purpose, and we gave it a we 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 somehow came to a to a common point of, of sense-making. Uh, yeah, and I, I, it's, it's difficult for me to answer, Carol, because it's, it's a natural part of me somehow. I know. I would say, I w- I would say like, have, have a, a, a decent human uh, respect and curiosity towards other people. Show them your own true character. Uh, bring in your true opinions. Uh, if they are good, people will listen. If they are not, you will have to listen to yourself. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's just about like somehow following your heart, but also be aware of the market that you're a part of, because of course you're going to have to compromise like with everything else in life. It's a balance. And, uh, we brought our true selves and our heart into this market and we spilled it all over and we said, please pick us up. We want to <laughs> do this in our own way. Can you, can you please acknowledge that? And the market, yes, indeed, they could acknowledge it, but there's a bigger system and that's just like. I, I don't know, capitalism or whatever you like to call it. And you somehow have to take that into consideration as well. So uh, find, find what you love and somehow uh, then just uh, let the compromise being how to fit it into a bigger context with That's the purpose great. Of, of being able to make a bigger difference in the end. Yeah. Great. So, Frederick, I have been touched by you since I first met you, and I am so glad to finally get to tell a bit more of your story and actually learn a bit more. There were many things here I did not know, Mm -hmm. but more people are going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to see your drawings, your lines that you're creating, um, your storytelling process. And so let's tell people, again, where the website is and then how they could reach out to you if they wanted an interviewer to invite you to present at their fashion show or do photography that might tell your story. How in the world would they find your line of clothes and then you as a person? Yeah. So first of all, again, referring to the website, pieces. DK and 12 pieces being all spelled in letters in one long sentence. And uh, furthermore, you can find me. My name is Frederick Christian Raspek on LinkedIn, Facebook, various social media. Or you can also just hit me up in an email, uh, Frederick uh, A 12 pieces. So I think you better spell Frederick because it's different than you would if you were in the States. Yes, it's uh, F R E D E R I K. And spell your surname, because if they're going to look for you on LinkedIn, they're going to need the, that spelling of Frederick and? Yes, and then you have Christian, which is the totally normal way. And then my last name is Raspik, R-I-A, one more time, R-A-S-B-E-C-H, Raspik. Great. And so if anyone didn't get all of that? 
If you didn't get any of that or all of it, you can reach out to me at carol at carolsanford.com. You have been listening to a podcast that I do on extraordinary entrepreneurs and business leaders inside of even larger companies who are seeking to be regenerative businesses based on my definition. And you can find more about that in my book, The Regenerative Business. Frederick, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again and have fun as you're in Barcelona. Thank you so much for having me, Carol.